Hello and welcome to the Digital Confidence and Decision Making podcast. We are going to have a chat today a little bit around storytelling and language. And this is something that's come up recently in some of the work I'm doing, but also relates back a little bit to the the elements of the book, the strategy, the plans, even my story. And within that story, we're going to look a little bit around kind of the language we use within IT as well. And I know that uh, people get fed up with the amount of acronyms we use and the language we use, the technical language that we sometimes use to confuse people. So we'll look a little bit about how we can kind of change some of that narrative start to use stories a little bit more, work out why they're useful within uh, the work that we do in the programs and projects, and then obviously the language that we use within those stories. Now, if you ask any historian kind of thing, they'll, they'll talk to you about stories and how far back into the past we go. Thousands of years, humans have been telling stories. Hugely important. It's how we passed knowledge on. It's how we passed kind of life, life lessons, learnings, all those things on throughout history. It's probably become more prevalent in branding and marketing in the recent kind of last couple of decades or so. Every business kind of has a story behind them. You look up some of the new kind of watch companies, they'll talk to you about how they got into the industry, why they've decided to enter, how they make their watches, why they're better than others. Every brand really has a, an about us or an our story section on their site. And people like that because it's familiar you can kind of look back, look at the history, get to know the company, understand why they are what they are. Now, obviously, in my book, Be the Five, there's a big section at the start that talks about my story as well. It tells you about how I got into IT, into digital, the work that I did, kind of everything from going on stage for the first time where I was absolutely cacking it, sweating uh, like an idiot, could barely hold the microphone. It kind of gives people a bit of comfort knowing that not everyone was perfect day one. They wanted to just jump on stage, start talking and doing everything else. It's literally changed your life kind of moments of getting on stage, talking in front of 500 people when you've never done that kind of thing before. And it takes a huge jump from going from kind of being someone who's who's kept the head relatively low, below the parapet, to suddenly jumping on stage and going, here are my ideas, this is what I'm thinking, almost expecting to be shot down. Uh, and waiting for those difficult questions you can't answer. And it it takes a while to realise that actually most people in the audience are in the same boat as you, and actually they're there to learn. They need to understand better, and they're not really there to shoot you down at all. Again, it's teaching lessons, it's telling stories, telling tales, how I got to where I was doing, why we're doing what we're doing, how we're doing what we're doing. You take bits from that that will help you and move forwards. Now... This has really come today because of some business cases I'm working on with a customer at the moment. And I won't mention their name, but we're working on a big transformation program and there was a lot of work done up front around a service redesign. Gone into the department, spent a lot of time looking at the processes, at the as-is, the how-tos, what we're going to do and how we're going to change the way that particular department delivers their service. Within that, there's basically come out the back of it that we need to replace their current software so now we're looking at okay we, we need to do a slightly bigger project than than first thought there's now a huge element of procuring a new system and implementing a new system within that department and so we've gone from a place where we had a business case around the transformation what we're going to do how we're going to do it how much time they were going to save what processes we were going to lean which departments we're going to pick up which processes 
we're going to move some bits into customer services, leave some with the back office and, and really change it around a little bit from how they have been delivering in the past. And, and I won't say how slow it's been, but it's not been optimized, shall we say, to, to the, the, the greater benefit of the customer. But off the back of that, we've now had to write a business case to go out and procure the software because obviously that's now a cost as well. And as you look at the business case for the software, if you were just to look at that on its own, you would probably go, no, absolutely not. That costs too much money based on what we were spending previously, what we're going to spend next and where we're going to move to from there. Standalone business case just to go and procure the software looks like relatively large amount of money to spend just on that. And what the business case hasn't really done is taken us all the way back to the, the starting point of where we first went into that service, started looking at it, and actually did the transformation program piece. So you've almost got a bit of a gap between the two where we've gone, here's a business case for the transformation. Now we've done that and decided we need to go and buy software. Here's a business case for the software. Whereas actually that story needs to kind of align themselves. So the software has been bought because of the transformation, because of what we're going to achieve from that and what we're going to be looking at in terms of how we're going to deliver that service in a completely new way. All the way through to the wider aspirations and ambitions of the council about what they want to achieve over the next 10 years and how they're going to achieve that. And this therefore just pays, plays a small part within that role. And actually, when you put it in the kind of the context of where they were or where they are today, where they want to be in two or three years and tell the story all the way through that, then the actual cost of the software is almost irrelevant. It, and, but it makes sense in the context of everything and do. So instead of going, we want to write a business case, we're going to buy some software. We want this amount of money. And it can be any amount of money because obviously councils and people have different amounts, different budgets, different scale. So the actual amount is irrelevant. It's how much that is within the relevant council you're working with. But it didn't really add up or make sense without the narrative around it and without that storytelling and, and putting all of the detail in. Once you've got that in, then it's almost a no-brainer. And you have to remember that as local authorities and as councils, a lot of these projects and a lot of the spending and the funding has to be approved by members or councillors. And that might be that you've got a cabinet set up. It might be a, you've got mayoral control. You might have committees, all sorts of structures that you eventually have to go to and say, here's the business case and here's the money. And you have to therefore almost assume that the councillors don't understand where you are, where you've come from or what you're doing. So you need to break it down to them in, in really simple, small chunks that make sense start to finish, that they can pick one document up that covers the whole kind of context of what you're looking at and the wider ambitions, rather than just looking at the individual business case. Because if they just look at that on its own and standalone, the likelihood is it will get turned down or at least it will go under huge amounts of scrutiny because it's not fully understood around everything else. And that's quite a simple kind of idea, way of looking at it, a simple example that I'm giving you. It's a single piece of software. But it's always this storytelling narrative language that kind of comes back to in digital. And we're not particularly good at it. We always think of almost the technology standing alone, 
doing separate bits. But it's kind of like the entire reason why I spend so long talking to people about their digital strategies or their IT strategies. Because actually what we're doing in most cases is writing almost a standalone strategy. IT have gone out and written their IT strategy or their digital strategy. It hasn't necessarily involved the wider council. And then when you're coming to put your plan together and your business case together, they're wondering why they're struggling to kind of get buy-in or to get adoption of some of the ideas that they're looking at. And I've spoken before about kind of, again, the importance of the strategy being joined up. And I've seen councils launch strategies where I know I've spoken to them and they've said it's almost not based on any conversations. This is just what IT want to do or what IT want to achieve. And that just makes it really, really difficult. And actually by doing it that way round, you're making kind of like the job harder for yourself further down the line. Whereas actually, if you actually invest the time and effort into the strategy, everything else falls behind that quite nicely. So to give you a kind of an example, when I talk about writing a strategy, yes, we might have a lovely big vision statement at the top of council ambitions and what they want to achieve. But then underneath that, we have a document that basically says, let's say our housing department need to achieve X over the next five years. Social care need to achieve X. Reg services need to achieve X. Waste need to achieve X. If you're in private sector, sales need to achieve X. HR need to achieve X. Operations need to achieve X. You need to be looking at, talking to them or getting hold of their own kind of departmental plans. What are they looking at achieving over the next five years? When you understand that, you can almost start to then break down, okay, what are the problems that are stopping that team from getting from where they are today, from where they want to be? Because obviously what we're trying to do is bridge the gap from the now to the future. Underneath that, once you've got the problems, we can then look at that from a technology perspective. Okay, what can we do within this department to kind of accelerate them on their journey to where they want to be, or even to get them to where they want to be? And that can be anything from obviously the software they use, it could be the data, it could be that they need different hardware, they want to be more remote, they want to access it in the field. There's all sorts of criteria that can come up. And as you go across each department, you might see that actually multiple departments have the same issues and we can tackle them as almost one problem. But the reason I do it this way is coming back to the storytelling. So when we're writing a strategy, we're basically saying, our housing department is here. This is where they are today. This is where they want to be in five years. We've got that written down. We've then got the problems that are stopping them from achieving that. And obviously, from our perspective, we're looking at the, the digital problems or the technology problems that are stopping them achieving that. There might be a lot of other problems uh, around resourcing and various other bits that we can't necessarily deal with ourselves, but we might add them in because we might want to automate some tasks and add some uh, other tools into there that can help them. But we're looking at, we're interested in what is stopping them from getting where they are, from where they are today to where they want to be. And then from that, we can start to create a list of, okay, what do we think we could do to help them on that journey, to bridge the gap, to accelerate them? Once you've got that, for each department, you've then got a big document that basically says, okay, here's our IT strategy or digital strategy. We might have one of those that says corporately, this was our ambition, how we're going to get there and what technology we're going to do corporately. Then behind that, we've got a series of documents that say, 
department A want to achieve this, B want to achieve that, C want to achieve that, department D want to achieve this. Here's the list of problems, here's the list of things we can do. From that strategy, you can then start to look at that from a one-year perspective into the plan. So if we go back to the book, with strategy, we've done the decide, and then into plan, we're going into design. So now we're saying, okay, we've looked at everything that they want to achieve over the five-year period, and three-year period, five-year period, it's largely irrelevant, the time frame, but we've got that idea of where they're going. We can then look at that and say, okay, what we now know what we can do to help them. So let's break that down into a sensible plan. So we're now going to go, right, what can we do in the next financial year to help each of these departments? And there might be things that we need to look at corporately. We may need to do some larger infrastructure projects or something like that. We need to get the, the firm base, the foundations in place to be able to grow from. Once you've done that, you can then start adding other projects in. So you can start to, okay, what does that plan really look like? So here's the first set of projects. We think there'll be this length of time. Now let's pick off some other ones that are going to make the biggest kind of difference to each of those departments that we can go into and look at and make changes to. The reason you do that is then because you're going moving into the storytelling now of the business case. So the business case is now saying we are going to spend X amount of money to deliver this technical solution because we've decided in the plan it's the right time that it makes sense for everything else and the plan has been derived from the strategy where we looked at the department, worked with the department to find out what their ambition is, where they want to go and what they want to achieve and what we need to do to help them get there. So you can see now we've got quite a nice narrative from the business case, the plan, the strategy, whether you want to go strategy, plan, business case, business case, plan, strategy, it doesn't matter because everything is aligned. So when someone is approving that business case, we're not looking at, let's say, a more traditional local government strategy that says we're going to go cloud. Then we've got a plan that says we're going to do some cloud tasks. We might move our infrastructure to cloud. Then when we're writing the business case for it, we kind of come undone because we're now kind of looking at that and going, OK, we need to invest £100,000, £200,000 to move to cloud because our strategy says we're moving to cloud. Why are we moving to cloud? Oh, because we thought it was cheaper. Oh, okay, but it's not, so we won't do that. And the business cases start to get unpicked. So what we're trying to do is say, we've actually spent a lot of time doing the strategy, we've looked at it, and if you remember, we go back to discuss and discover. First of all, we're gonna to talk to people, discover their needs, their ambitions, their aims. We're gonna put that into a strategy, which is decide. So we've taken them on that journey again, creating the story. We've then designed the one-year plan off the back of it. And then when we're writing the business cases, it's a kind of a linear journey back through everything that we've done. So the business case will generally make sense. Now, obviously, you're still going to have some financial implications and various other bits around it that you need to make work. But in the context of why you're doing it and the reasons for it and what it's going to mean for each department should be very, very clear and therefore easier to approve than just saying, well, we want £200,000 to move to cloud. Then obviously when underneath the business cases, you've then got the projects that you're then going to go and deliver. So again, it just makes sense to follow that through. And one of the things we are win or I'm now looking at is we've obviously created Ditch project management tool, which is the project end of it at the, at the bottom. I'm now starting to plan out what the modules for the decide design and business case 
would look like so we can start to tell that narrative. So we have a template that has the aims of the department, the problems, what we think we can do. From that, we can pull each of the uh, what we think we can do into a plan, plan that out over the first financial year. From that, we can drop down into a business case, which is obviously going to give us the, uh, the cost, the funding, but also the benefits, the outcomes, the desired outcomes. And obviously, go back to the book to see what the difference between an outcome and a desired outcome are. We then go into our project software. And then at the back of that, we'll have a benefits realization piece as well. So we, we, I'm trying to build it into a, a more comprehensive suite of tools that start to tell this narrative for you. But it always comes back to why the strategy is so important. And if you're already working in a big transformation plan and the transformation plan is delivering the documents that say these are the aims of the team, the problems and what we need to do about it, then you almost don't need a separate IT or digital strategy because that transformation plan is the document that is going to tell you what to do. So you're just designing the plan off the back of it and business case and into it. But again, keep everything joined up use the same terminology within them regardless if one person wrote the the transformation business case and one person's writing the digital technology business case obviously link the two use the same words use the same narrative use the same language so that everyone can see that it flows and it will make it so much easier to get things signed off and approved than it would do having one of these strategies that's standalone that says oh we're going to do ai and then when we come to implement it and we're actually asking for 40 grand to go do an AI project, people struggle with that. They can't see the, the corresponding line on the spreadsheet. Accountants hate that where they can't see the savings. And so you need to just be a bit smarter about how you do things and just why it's so important. And interestingly, in, in one of the similar pieces of work at Tendos I was reading the other week, they were talking about how the mean, I think the mean spend on IT and local government is about 5% of the overall budget. And that was almost like the number they wanted to work to. And again, I'm, you're almost sat there thinking, but we're in 2022, things are going digital, things, more technology is coming, there's more tools available. We spoke last week about the fact that when I buy a tool, it doesn't have to be a corporate tool, it can be for a team of five people, or a team of one person, or a team of 10 people and they can have a different tool to the department next to them. There's all these different things you're looking at. And so having this ambition of 5% spend on IT is, is pointless. If I turned around to you and said, actually increase your budget so it's 50% of the entire council's budget, but in doing so, we can deliver every single service for two-thirds of the cost currently and give a better service to all of our residents and turn things around quicker everyone surely would snap your hand off at that. Some people wouldn't because they might be out of a job. But just working out your IT spend based on a small percentage is difficult. And then obviously when we're putting business cases in that say we're going to do AI and it's going to be another 40 grand a year or we're going to do unified comms and that's an extra 60 grand a year or we're going to do something different, that's 50 grand a year of new new spend. If it's not then linked back to the plan, the strategy, the transformation, the work that you're doing, it doesn't really make sense for people and this is why they struggle. So you can almost come back to, okay, we'll, we'll baseline our 5% on, let's say, our core IT, so our office or our Google workspace, our networks and infrastructure, but actually where we're going in and doing real digital projects, starting with a blank piece of paper, building new tools, 
I mentioned last week about the work Swindon were doing on their on their waste app. Giving a budget for that kind of work is over and above this kind of baseline figure and is always linked to the business case, the plan, the strategy. And obviously, as you know, the strategy comes from discuss and discover. And so everything we're doing is about building a story, building a flow of information that goes from one step to the next. And again, I, I can't reiterate the point too much or if you're listening, you probably say I have reiterated the point too much, that everything comes back to the strategy and the weaker the strategy, the less information in it or the fact that it's been written standalone from other departments and just uses buzzword bingo just makes all the steps after it so much harder to actually put into context to deliver and to write business cases for. So honestly, I see the councils launching strategies constantly. Cornwall launched theirs this week. It's better than most, but it still has some gaps in it. And I appreciate as well, if you're going to write a document that says, here's the aims that we're going to do, trying to achieve within this department, and here's the problems that we've currently got and what we're doing about it, that element of the strategy you may not want to publish. There may be a huge chunk of that where you go, right, that bit stays fully private, but we'll produce a very nice vision statement, mission statement or something that gives our overall kind of ambitions as an authority of what we want to achieve. We're just going to leave the detail behind it. Now, the other key bit to this is when we're doing the strategy is that the strategy with the aims, the problems and what we're doing is a working document. It is something that we go back to every few months. We review, we go back to the departments, we carry on talking to them. Are these still the right aims? Has anything changed? Has legislation changed? Are the problems the same? Have the numbers gone through the roof? Anything else that might be an issue or a new problem, we need to be constantly in conversation with them about that. Again, too many times I see a strategy that is a beautifully presented PowerPoint presentation of 40-odd slides. Once it's been written, that's it. It's done. It's signed off complete in a drawer. That is not how your strategy works. It is fluid. It needs to be updated. It needs to be changed. Again, why I'm thinking of building the software that does this is so that it is open and we can go in, we can make changes, we can edit it uh, and we can move forwards. You can't just write a strategy for five years and think that that's all that's going to happen over the next five years. Technology changes, legislation changes, we've got combined authorities, we've got people moving into unitaries, we've got devolution so much other things happening and occurring that if you've got a strategy document that is signed sealed delivered in a drawer then you might as well just put it in the bin instead of the drawer because that's how much use it is to you so again we're storytelling but we're storytelling actively it's live it's a real working document we're going to keep looking at it keep going back to it obviously once you're in a project you've written the business case that's pretty fixed you have to move on and deliver that but again even within that we're looking at the project being quite agile so we can still make some amendments, make some adaptions and change. I think I saw a post on LinkedIn today, again, another council asking for project managers with PRINCE2 qualifications. Nothing against PRINCE2, it's, it's fine, people use it, but does that mean we're going back to everything being agreed up front, the scope, the spec, everything, and not having that agility within the project to make some changes and make some make some improvements, some efficiencies or anything else that we haven't thought of for day one because ultimately we're not going to know all the answers to every single question when we start a project. We never do. That's why they constantly overrun and overspend. 
So again, give yourself a bit of agility and a bit of maneuverability within those projects. Now, the other thing I want to say is obviously language. So technical business cases, obviously have to, there has to be a level of technicality within it, but it also has to be written so the layperson can read it and understand it. And I always used to kind of look at all my projects and think, okay, what in the real world can we kind of relate this to and what kind of examples can we give that people would understand? So in Peterborough, back in 2013, we signed the first deal directly with City Fibre and we were going to put 90 odd kilometres of fibre in the ground across the city, huge network, which was then obviously going to be lifted up to businesses and then up to residential addresses. And obviously, if you've seen on the news at the moment, there's now a few firms that are starting to offer gigabit residential services. It, that was the plan kind of eight, nine years ago. But when I was talking to people about what that actually meant as a project, or when I'm talking to councillors or lay people or residents of the city about what it means, talking about fibre and fibre to the cabinet and copper and all that stuff is meaningless to most people. But what most people do understand is roads. They drive on them, they go on cars. And so what you're effectively doing is, is saying that a packet of data, which is what is transferred across the internet, is effectively a car. And that car is on a road and it can travel at a certain speed. And if it's a country lane, that's different to it traveling on the motorway. Secondary to the speed it can travel down those roads is the capacity and the number of cars you can get on those roads. So in some places when you're in a small village, country lane, you put a thousand cars down it that road becomes clogged very quickly every time it gets to a junction or comes to a smaller road it obviously there's a bottleneck and it slows down that's what's happened basically to your internet if everybody had a super highway that had 10 lanes and enough capacity for a million cars a time people can suddenly get gigabit speed internet and that's how we broke it down and, and basically fiber to the cabinet was almost described as your motorway junction going onto an a road so again, you're going from a three, four lane motorway into a two lane A road that naturally slows things down. And then it's the light bulb goes off in the heads. Okay, so what we want is more bigger roads for quicker speeds. They get that, they understand the benefits of it. We can sign that off. When we were looking at the platforms that we were looking at in Peterborough, I think we used various different descriptions. We talked about cars and how pretty much every car now is built on a kind of a wheelbase that's used in three or four different vehicles but actually even though that's the same you can still choose the engine you want the color you want the spec you want the leather the suede any interiors that you want air conditioning and various other bits so you can start from the same position but end up with a very different car to the person next to you even though you've got the same tools or similarly if you're going to build a house the platform is the foundations and it's connecting it to the plumbing and to the electric and to the gas but then all we're going to give you is a pile of bricks how you put the bricks together and what you come up with is again going to be very very different based on what needs you have in particular over somebody else so again you can start to talk to people in kind of different terms using things that are common in everyday life i've talked about data visualization before and people are like, oh what's that and then you get in your car and you say, well, how much data are you being shown at the moment? You're being shown what the temperature is outside. You're probably being shown the temperature of the engine. You're being shown what speed you're going, how many revs you're doing, how many car, how many miles you've done, uh, what radio station you're on, your satellite information. 
you're constantly taking in visual data and you can take it all in because it is data and you can decipher it all in seconds because you're used to it. No point me giving you at the end of the old journey a spreadsheet saying this is how you got on on that drive and these are the speeds you did, which is how we still do our reporting in a lot of places. So again, you can bring people onto that journey with you, tell them the story of, of how they're getting to where they're going, how they're using the information, how they're using this data to give them a better kind of outcome. And I'll finish on just one example because I always use this one and I, I do love it because there was an email that went out to all staff at one council I worked at a while ago and it basically said server number, let's call it one, two, three, four, five is unavailable on Sunday. And that was the message they wanted to put out to all staff. And I went to the person who wrote it and I said, but what does that actually mean? And the reply was, our email won't be available for the day. It's kind of like, okay, why can't you just write email will be unavailable? And he kind of looked at me and went, because technically it's the server that won't be available, not the email. And it was almost like one of those, oh, I'm going to punch myself in the face moments because it's painful. Technically, yes, you're 100% right. That is the exact thing. But the impact of that server not being available on people is that they can't access their email. That's the bit they care about. So again, just think about how you're describing things, the language you use, the wording you use, and just make sure that you can bring some stories into what you're doing and make sure your documents are lined up neatly so they tell that narrative for you because it will take away a lot of the work that you're having to do further down the line. So I hope that's been of interest to you. A little bit rambly in places, but it's important to understand how the strategy sits within the wider context of everything that we're looking at within our plans, within our business cases, within our projects, why I focus on it so much and why I put so much attention on it. And then obviously how that then makes your life so much easier further down the line. So hopefully you've got something from that. I look forward to speaking to you next week and have a great week and see you soon. Bye bye.